All right. How many of you know what group did that song? Beatles. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Savoy Truffle. So I only diehard Beatle fans would even be able to identify that one. So, but. Yeah, the song was uh, written by George Harrison, and it's a tribute to uh, Eric Clapton, and uh, specifically his uh, kind of addiction to chocolate. And uh, most of the lyrics were taken off of a Macintosh chocolate box. And so a lot of the lyrics are about these confectionery uh, delights that were found in the box. And I know what's going on right now. Some of you are thinking, I like chocolate, huh? Huh? Any chocoholics in the house? All right. Yeah, I thought about uh, giving away chocolate this morning as we're talking about gluttony, and I thought that kind of works against it. But um, <laughs> my uh, best friend, he uh, seriously loves chocolate. You know, he keeps a stash in his office and at home, and sometimes he's even packing it uh, in his backpack. And uh, he keeps the good stuff, though, like Drost and Godiva, and the darker the better with him. And I remember this is several years ago, but I uh, met Dan for uh, dinner, and we met at the Cheesecake Factory. And as we sat down at the table, they had those kind of tabletop posters, and they were featuring a limited edition at that time, Godiva Cheesecake. It's like nine layers uh, of chocolate. I don't know how many, like 2,000 calories. And uh, our waitress came around, and she was taking our order, and I ordered. And then Dan said, hey, I think I'm just going to get dessert. And so I thought, oh, well, okay, he must have already had dinner. He's not real hungry. And so our food came. And I'm eating my dinner, and he's eating his cheesecake. We get finished up. Waitress comes around again. She goes, do you want dessert? Now, I'm not much of a dessert guy. I might order the 30-ounce steak, but not, not dessert. But at the Cheesecake Factory, I love cheesecake. And I thought, I'd like to have cheesecake, but he's already eaten, so I'm not going to do that. And so... I said, no, just bring us our check. I thought Dan was going to come out of his chair. I mean, he came up, he's like, dude, you're, you're not ordering dessert? He says, I'm ordering dessert. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you've had too much dessert at this point. But um, so I, uh, real quick, I'm looking down through, through the list of cheesecakes, and they had uh, coffee dessert, yes, okay? You know, you know, it's good news when it's coffee. Cheesecake and coffee, two great tastes that go together, and so I ordered a coffee cheesecake. I ate about half of mine, and then I hit the wall that I call it, uh, you get sweetened out, and it's kind of like, I can't do anymore. And so I sat there watching him polish off his dessert again. And I'm not sure whether I was most amazed that he had ordered the second cheesecake or that he actually ate the second cheesecake and then had room to say, are you not going to finish yours? (laughs) And yes, he lived to tell about it, and he loves chocolate, and he's not a glutton, but he loves chocolate, okay? (laughs) So we're in this series, Breaking Bad, and we're looking looking at things that threaten to mess us up, the seven deadly sins, And today we're going to focus on gluttony. 
Now, before we jump in to the topic, I know that some of you, just hearing what the topic was, you feel pretty good about yourself right now. You go, well, I'm, you know, 7% body fat, or I can wear a size 5, or yeah, there are some people that need to hear this message, that kind of thing. But I want you to be very, very careful here. You know, before you get too cocky on the topic. Because the early church defined gluttony as a sin of excess. You know, technically, gluttony is taking in more than you need. Gluttony uh, sometimes is an addiction that it really could be anything. Anything that's too much. Anything that's too expensive. Anything that we devour too eagerly. You know, gluttony, it covers a broad spectrum of things. Your weight, your pant size, your dress size do not necessarily indict you or convict you on the sin of gluttony, okay? Gluttony is not an issue of fit versus fat. Gluttony is something that goes to the core of who we are how we live in Jesus Christ. Gluttony is something we, we all struggle with. It's something we struggle with in our society. You know, it's overindulging. It's not just about food and drink. Overindulging to the point that um, what's important kind of gets lost in our lives. Gluttony is uh, about living in excess And the Bible describes such a life as bad, as destructive. 2 Peter 2.19 says, They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to destructive habits. For we are slaves of anything that has conquered us. Now I want to paraphrase this, make it a little easier to understand. Take the, the modern mantra If it feels good, do it. I mean, that sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good on the surface. It looks like it would be very freeing to live that way. And then, but in reality, it's destructive because you become a slave. You become a slave to a lifestyle, whatever it is. And once you become a slave to something, what happens is it controls you. It owns you. It consumes you. Gluttony's consuming what, whatever. I mean, you fill in the blank. What is that for you? What happens is it becomes the most important thing in life. It takes center stage. I mean, gluttony, it, it, at its core, it's an addiction. But gluttony provides a, a type of fix in life. And there are all kinds all kinds of uh, addictions today. I mean, they, they're on the rise in, in the U.S. especially. Now, there's drugs and there's alcohol and there's food and cigarettes and exercise and sex and shopping and working, video game addictions, internet addictions, and on and on you go. The fact is, gluttony, it's consuming more than you need to the point that it's harmful to life. Gluttony is consuming what you shouldn't because it's destructive to your life. Gluttony is always, always harmful. 
always destructive, whether that's on a physical level, an emotional level, or a spiritual level. And to be honest, most of the time, it's a combination of all three of those. Gluttons spend a good deal of time thinking about what it is that they want to indulge in. You know, what to eat, what to drink, where to shop, what to buy, what to enjoy, what to experience. Gluttony, it's consuming to the point that it'll take priority in your life. It'll take priority over your relationships, over your family, over serving God, over working, over paying the bills, over sleeping. In fact, gluttony will lead you to willingly sacrifice your spiritual, emotional, and spiritual health. And gluttony is very prevalent in our society, a lot more prevalent than, than we want to admit. I want you to think about an area in your life that you never thought of it being gluttony before. But as I've been talking, that thing flashing in your mind, that area where it's kind of coming into focus for you. What we tend to do, we call call them uh, bad habits, a weakness. And I'm going to guess for some of you that helped you zero in on it. What I want to do today is spend the bulk of our time talking about how to break free, to break free from, from bad in, in our life. I, I don't know what the habit is that you've got, but just know you've at least got one, all right? If you're not sure, if you're sitting with your spouse, lean over and go, what is it? And they'll tell you real quick. But uh, what I want to do is give you some biblical steps for, for breaking bad. When, when you're trying to break that bad habit, there, there's the spiritual part, the physical part, and the emotional part. What I'm going to do, I'm going to spend the bulk of my time talking on the emotional and spiritual front and uh, just know that I'm aware all three exist. So here we go. We're going to use the word breaking and we're going to look at how we go about breaking bad and how we do it. So B, begin today. Begin today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month begin today. I've talked about this often. So many people live and they'll go, well, I'm going to start that tomorrow. I'm going to do that someday. And what happens is tomorrow never comes. That someday never arrives. And we're going to talk next week in in detail when we talk about the seventh deadly sin of procrastination or slothfulness. But you got to begin today. Proverbs writes, says, never brag about what you do in the future. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Quit telling yourself one of these days. You know, in other words, stop procrastinating. Stop postponing it. It will be harder tomorrow to change than it is right now. Delay always makes problems worse, always. Ecclesiastes writes, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never do get you will never get anything done. Simple question. Why aren't you working on what you know you need to be working on? If a person wants to change, you find a way. 
If a person doesn't want to change, they find an excuse. Begin today. R, review your life. Take an inventory. Take an internal audit on a regular basis. Do some serious evaluation in your life. You know, where are my weaknesses? How long have I had the problem? Where am I tempted the most? You know, what, what are my fears? What are my frustrations in, in life? And begin to evaluate and look at those things on a regular basis. Lamentations 3.40, it says, let's take a good look at the way we're living and record our lives under God. If you're going to change, you got to stop pretending. You got to come face to face with your faults. Sometimes that's painful. You got to stop hiding your hurts and your struggles and your issues because what happens, it only intensifies the the pain, only makes things worse. Denial, and that's where some of you are today, denial will prevent healing in your life. You know, the psalmist uh, writes, it says, All day and all night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water on a sunny day. You ever felt like that? Until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them, I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Admit admit you've got a problem, whatever it is. We all have problems. Just admit them. Take them to God. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for for strength. God will forgive you. God will wipe away the guilt. God will help you in that process. But you, you have to review your life. And you have to do it regularly. Healthy people are always evaluating. You know, am I slipping? Am I gaining ground? Am I getting off course in in my life? You know, where do I need to to adjust? For instance, you know, track your calorie intake. Track your your spending patterns. Look look at how you're spending your time, but see, you're, you're monitoring and evaluating. You can't take a break for monitoring things and evaluating things in your life. If you do, whatever that area is that you quit, doing that, you'll fall down. You'll slip. You'll mess up. It it will get you. I'm always telling people, keep a short account with God. Keep a short account with God. In other words, go to God regularly, confess and say, look, I'm I'm struggling here. This is is an area I've got to work on. Be honest with God. Be honest with other people. Be honest with yourself. So review your life regularly. E, eliminate excuses. Refuse to blame. We talk about this a lot around here. It is an issue that's been an issue since the beginning of time. You track it all the way back. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve in the garden. They ate the fruit. Adam, Adam sinned. I mean, he took it like a man. He blamed his wife. Eve made me do it. That woman that you gave me made me do it. And Eve, she blamed the serpent. She said, serpent tricked me, you know, and so I ate the fruit. Friends, you will never get better until you take personal responsibility. You eliminate the excuses and you own it, whatever it is. 
You know, Proverbs says some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. Question, who are you blaming today? Blaming your parents, your husband, your wife, blaming a teacher, blaming your kids, blaming the boss, blaming the evil one, blaming God. I mean, what, what are you blaming? The, the stress. Stress is the problem. You know, the job's the problem. My, my circumstance, oh, the misfortune we had, that missed opportunity, you know, a loss. What, who are you blaming? Where are you blaming? I mean, if you're going to break bad, if you're going to break free from that problem, that issue, whatever it is, Quit excusing yourself, quit accusing other people, quit passing the buck, and just eliminate the excuse and say, you know what, I need to deal with this. This is an issue. And then you got to, A, abandon control. Abandon control. Give God control. God's waiting to help, but he's waiting for you to say, okay, God, you're, you're in charge here. You need a power greater than yourself to overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome. Romans 6, Paul writes, he says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to selfish desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead... But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Paul's saying, you know what? The solution to overcoming sin is deciding who's going to be master, who's going to be in control in, in your life. And the fact is, every day, there are things that are jockeying for control in your life. There are people that will jockey for that. There are schedules. There are drugs and alcohol and food and sex. And they all want that first spot in, in your life. And we've said, you, you're going to serve somebody in life. You better choose carefully. And I know even as I say that, for some, they're going, well, I'm going to give God control. But there's something I've noticed about people. A lot of times that statement, what we mean is we're going to give God the problem, but we're going to maintain control. I'm going to do what I think I need to do, but God, if you just bless that. See, we maintain control, and we wonder why it's not working for us. Friends, when you turn your life over to God's management, what happens is it produces an incredible power to actually change. Why don't most people do that? I think think it's fear. It's fear. We're, we're afraid of losing out on the, the fun or, or whatever that fix is for us. We're, we're afraid of forfeiting our freedom. You know, we're even a little bit afraid that, hey, people are going to think I'm a fanatic if I talk about God being in control. and Just, I'm not sure I want to go there. Jesus, uh, John records, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Friends, you matter to God. God has a purpose for your life. God has, God has an amazingly great plan for you. And I believe if you realized that, and if you really believed that, it would be very easy to go, okay, God, you're in control. But the fact is, we're, we're not sold on it. You know, I challenge you to, to realize God really does have a great plan for you. Okay? Know your temptation, K-N-O, all right? Know your temptation. Uh, avoid it. Th- this is just common sense 101 here. You do not want to get stung by a bee. What do you do? You stay away from beehives, correct? You, you know the situations where you're tempted the most. You've got to know that about yourself. Paul writes, he says, instead clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Paul's challenging us here that we need, we need to know what we're tempted with. In other words, if you have a drinking problem, you don't hang around the bar. If you have a shopping problem, you don't hang out at the mall or spend your time surfing Amazon. You know, if you've got an overeating problem, you don't go and stock the house with junk food. You, you just don't. You stay away from things that will trip you up. You stay away from things that will cause you problems and people that will cause you problems. Proverbs says, plan carefully what you do, and whatever you do will turn out right. Avoid evil and walk straight ahead. Don't go one step off the right way. One of the keys to overcoming temptation is making decisions in advance. In other words, predetermining what path you're going to travel on. Deciding ahead of time where you will go, where you won't go. Putting yourself in those tempting situations, you avoid it. You go, that's a tempting situation. I need to avoid that. You may need new friends. For some of you, it may mean changing your job. Some of you may have to pick up and move. It may mean something as simple as changing the route that you travel home on from work. I I don't know. But you have to decide ahead of time. The Bible says when, when we see temptation, that we're to flee, we're to run, we're to avoid it. In other words, I'd suggest you burn the bridges so that you don't end up in those places where, where you're tempted. I imagine a better day. Imagine something better in, in your life. Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Be careful what, how you think. Your life is shaped by what? Your thoughts. The Bible says the spiritual battle is fought in the mind. You want to change your life? You start here. Something first captures your attention, then it'll capture you. You know, one of the keys to resisting temptation is not simply resisting. You know, going, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. No, you need to refocus your attention. Change your mentality. Change the channel. Envision a different day, a different future in your life. See yourself in a better place, a better state, 
see yourself healthier, see yourself guilt-free, see yourself unashamed, see yourself restored. Whatever it is you dwell on, that's what will get you. You know, I've been on diets many times. And what I find is when I'm on a diet, I concentrate a lot about the the food I'm going to eat, eating the right food and the the right portions. And I I think about food more more than normal when I'm on a diet. And because I'm focused on, on that, it helps me as I move forward. You know, they... As I'm focusing on the right thing, it keeps me from the wrong things. If I'm not focused on the right things, here's what happens. Extreme sausage sandwiches, they're dancing in my head, you know. And that's not the way to break a bad habit. The key is to shift your mind and to focus on something better. You know, Philippians 4.8 says, In conclusion, my friends, fill your mind with those things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and honorable. The fact is, it is a principle of replacement in life, replacing bad thoughts with good thoughts. It seems simple, but we struggle with that. The, The fact is... I was coming to, to work today, and uh, I realized I, I need gas in my tank. Now, my gas tank's never really empty. The fact is, it's full all the time. It's either full of air or full of gas, you know. You may think, well, I just emptied my mind of the bad things, the bad thoughts, Friends, those bad thoughts are coming back if you don't replace them, if you don't fill your mind with good stuff. Paul writes, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's the renewing of your mind that Paul talks about. You want to change, change what you think. Imagine a better day in your life And then in, navigate with support. You need a team if you're going to make it through, if you're going to get a handle on whatever it is. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. The reality, when we're challenged to change something in our life, what happens is there's kind of the law of diminished intent. Do you know what I mean? As time passes, our best intentions fade. It's just, it's part of the human condition. You know, our be- best intentions, they'll, they'll, they'll fade, fade away on us and get away from us. Some of you right now, you're fired up. You go, I think I'm going to, I know I've needed to change this and I'm glad I'm here this morning and I'm going to change this. I, I need to do this. And you're all jazzed up and, and you're, you'll actually start. And a couple of weeks from now, you'll be back to the same old habits. 
couple days from now, you'll be back to the same old habit. Some of you will not make it to the parking lot today before you bail. (laughs) Just being honest. How many of you have tried to change something in your life before? Come on. Come on. All right. How many of you have tried to change the same thing more than once, many times? How many of you still need to change it? (laughs) All right. We could all be there if we were honest with ourselves. It's a cycle. And you got to get a handle on the cycle. Part of the problem is sometimes we get down the road and then we think, well, I've got this beat. And the moment you let your guard down, you're in dangerous water. So how do you break the cycle? Well, you need people alongside you. You need support. You need people praying for you. You need people encouraging you. You need people keeping you on track. When when that law of diminished intent, when it hits, and it will, what happens is your friends can spur, spur you on. Two are better than one. Why? Because they help each other succeed in life. And you need that. You need people alongside you. James writes, he says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. I want you to notice this scripture here. James is not saying confess to God. We should do that, but that's not what James is talking about here. He says, you know, I'm not talking about confessing to God. I'm not talking about confessing to a priest. He says we're to confess to each other. And there's a reason he says that, because that's where change can happen. We, We don't like the first part of that verse, We like the healing part. We like the whole part. We like that it's going to get fixed part. Friends, if you want to be healed emotionally in your life and physically and spiritually, if you want to get a handle on those things, break those bad habits, whatever they are, how do you do it? You do it by confessing to each other, by praying for each other. By opening yourself up and allowing other people to see who you are. Now, hear me very carefully. Do not confess to everybody. But you need a few people to share with. It's the price of freedom. Some of you have a habit, whatever it is. And you want to break the habit but you don't want anybody to know. And here's what I got to say that. Good luck. I do not give you much hope at lasting change. You know, that attitude, well, I can can do this on my own. That attitude will keep you in bondage. It's one of the reasons the church exists. It's to be a place of support, a place of encouragement, a place where we lift each other up. 
It's the value of of small group and life groups and ministry teams. See, breaking bad's possible when we realize we're all struggling together. It's encouraging when someone is struggling for somebody else to come alongside them and say, you know what, I've been there. I've struggled with that. And I made it to the other side. Again, some of you are thinking, well, I'm going to quit this or that, but I'm not telling anybody. Friends, it's a little bit of a cop-out. You're kind of leaving an escape hatch so that if it doesn't work out or you decide you're going to bail out, nobody will know. And in a lot of ways, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You need support. It's a lot tougher if you know somebody's going to come alongside and say, hey, how are you doing with such and such? And here's the last. G, gear up with God. You know, let God give you strength. Let God give you the patience you need. Let God give you the wisdom you need. Let God give you the victory, ultimately. You know, my my prayer is that we would put these steps into practice in our life, that you would get involved in a group, you know, serve on a team so that you're getting to know people and you can share what's going on in your life. You know, at some point, you just allow God to, to work in every area of your life. See, God will give you victory in that area you've been struggling with, that area that you're a little bit ashamed of, God will give you victory breaking that bad, whatever it is. In fact, to the point that if we were to run the clock forward a few years, that area that you struggle with, you may find find that God uses you in a ministry in that area where you help other people that have the problem that right now you're dealing with. And I will tell you, that's the ultimate high when you're, when you're able to, to help someone succeed in, in an area that's tripped you up before. See, God uses not our, not our strengths. God uses our weaknesses. That area that you don't want anybody to know about, God will use it to change people's lives. Paul writes, he says, brothers and sisters, If someone's caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. You want to be like Jesus Christ? You be about building up people. You be about restoring people. You be about carrying other people's burdens. And when you share burdens, what happens is they're only half as heavy. You know, it's, it's what the church is to do. It's what we're to do. It's been my prayer for Faith Fellowship since we started, that we'd be the kind of place that people would regularly say, you know what, if you're going through a struggle, go struggle at Faith Fellowship. Nobody thinks they have it all together. Everybody realizes they've got issues and they're working on their issues and they'll encourage you and they'll be there for you. See, we are saved sinners. We're no better, no worse. 
We're saved sinners. And I pray that's what the community knows about us. You know, breaking bad. (laughs) It's what we do as Christians. In fact, I have a hunch we do this our entire life. There's things we keep trying to break them and get rid of them. Breaking bad as we grow, as we mature, it's part of the process. As we start becoming more and more of what God created us to be, what God called us to be. You know, it's breaking bad. As we're doing that, we're moving closer and closer and closer to our full God-given potential. And we grow closer to God. I don't know about you, but that's, that's what I want in, in my life. First Corinthians, uh, Paul writes, he says, any temptation you face will be nothing new. But God's faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. In other words, whatever it is you're dealing with, God, God will help you with that. But he always provides a way of escape so that you will be able to endure and keep moving forward. God promises that he will give you the power to overcome. God promises that he will give you a way out, a way to escape whatever it is. God promises that he will keep you moving forward in life. See, breaking bad, breaking bad's possible, but you got to do your part. You got to do your part. God's not going to do it for you. I can't do it for you. Your, your spouse can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. And it comes down to what's in control. What's in control in, in your life? You know, you got to identify it. Because whatever is in control is your master. And I know some of you go, well, I'm in control of my life. And I just want to say, well, look where it got you. A self-made person. You know what they worship? Their maker. And you need something bigger than yourself. You need something bigger than yourself. If you're going to break bad, you need God. The Bible says you're going to serve something. Maybe money, maybe power, maybe status, maybe sex, maybe food, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe gambling, maybe shopping. Choose carefully. Because if you're going to break, if you're going to break free, if you're going to break that bad, you need God. You need God above all else. You need God to to guide your steps or you're not going to make it very far at all. Now, I've talked about the, the spiritual part, the emotional part. There's a physical part. To, and I just want to kind of go on record to say sometimes the physical part, there's no way you can do it alone. You know, it may involve a, a clinic or a hospital or a center that, that specializes in things like dealing with detoxification or withdrawal, depression, those, those kinds of things. And so there's always a, a, a physical element that, that may need to be addressed uh, along the way. But I believe God's design is that we use all the resources available to us. But you have to have a spiritual base. You have to have a spiritual base. That's foundational for lasting change. If you're going to break bad, 
You need a relationship with God. And in that relationship, God will really, His Holy Spirit will speak to you and help you move through. And there's a good chance you may need that. You may need the the physical aspect of that. Uh, sometimes the physical part's not, not part of it. But I just challenge you, you know, what it is that you need to break. Break free. Make today the day that you do that. Let, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we uh, lift up to you. The, we all have something that we need to break free from. And God, I pray you'd, uh, your Holy Spirit would just stir in us to give us a passion to uh, take the steps that we need to. God, that we would uh, just acknowledge it. And God, I pray that um, as we take those steps, that we'd join hands with a brother or sister and that we'd pull some people alongside us to, so that we can succeed. God, I pray that your spirit would give us strength, give us wisdom, give us the patience that we need as we move forward in our faith. And God, I know today that for some it's a painful reminder of the battle, but God, I pray they'd leave here with hope that today's the day that they'll be able to look back and say, as in September 2015, I finally broke free from whatever it was. God, we lean on you. We believe your word. We look forward to a better day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.